Welcome to Style Section, the Wise Guy Podcast. I'm Dan. And I'm Sheila. And we are now into uh huh, a very interesting arc. An arc that I like, but I can say right now I know I think I know exactly why you don't like it. I think I can I think I can make that authoritative statement. And I mean, we'll talk about the politics of it in a bit, obviously. I mean, you can't not talk about the politics of this. This is all one. politics. This is all politics, and it's all America. Uh, but I think really is because at its core, um, Vinny isn't uh, – how shall I put this in the right way? Vinny's beliefs are never really challenged by this, even though that's what they're going for. This is yeah, and we'll talk about that next as week. As we go. Yeah, that's that's what because, we'll talk about next week. Because yeah. what happens, I mean, that's ultimately like I watched the the two episodes we're talking about tonight. I haven't seen them for a while because yeah. this is not one of my favorite arcs. So Oh obviously. I, I get it. Yeah. yeah. And um so you know, I kind of lose, start to lose, and I, I move on to the last arc. Oh Burrow's <laughs> so good. Yeah. So, but this, I will say this time, what listening, listening to it, because we're going to talk about it. Yeah. Um, there are some very interesting things in this. I yeah. think the end kills it for me. Yeah. And that's what we're going to, yeah. but I mean, let's, let's not jump right to the end. So no, no, but it was like the Il Pivot. Yeah. Okay? Problem. Anyway, um, Let's just let's just dig say, right into it. Yes. Yeah. Let's just dig because it is fascinating. I mean, in some ways, and all of the stuff that's being sent said, I'm going. The audience should be getting what they're trying to get at. Why can't Vinny? Yeah, I know. Now, but anyway, has, now Frank talks to him throughout this. I know. He keeps telling him. He's entering a viper's nest. Well, I've been in the mafia stuff. We will blah, get blah. there. We'll get there. You're jumping well, ahead. No, I know. So no, no. What's important is how they start the episode. Okay. What's important is that it doesn't start with Vinny and Frank. Because it goes back to the interesting theme that this show does of not being interested in surprising the audience. Because right. where do we start? We start with the villain of the Roger Lococo art arc who we've never met before, Leland Masters. Yes, we finally meet Leland Masters. Yeah, the guy who was the real villain pulling the strings throughout the entirety of that arc. And let's face it, in retrospect, we realize all of Mel Prophet's life, you know, <laughs> like yep. the CIA, well, not all of it, but the CIA for the past X amount of time had just been keeping him there so he would be useful at some point to help them steal uh, something. And I mean, maybe they knew it was going to be fake Haiti all along. Maybe they decided it was going to be fake Haiti uh, eventually. But he, Mel Prophet was always an asset and he just never knew it. Yeah. Which, again, is is what makes that show so fast. That's that arc so fascinating in retrospect. Yes. All right. So we finally meet Leland Masters and we find out that he's got a plan. And we find out working for him. Oh, yes, of course. Uh, well, no, we've got um, Admiral Striken, which is who Herb... Admiral, uh, Admiral. Yeah, Admi who is who, uh, who Herb um, reported to. So he was the guy. I mean, it's it's interesting because it works 
it's pointedly working exactly like the mafia worked where you have a guy making all the plans and then the guy who's the boss and then there's a guy who ha- who is Admiral Strike and who actually goes and makes the phone calls right like decisions get made but the only one who hears Leland Masters talk about anything shady is one guy yeah and that guy is the one who goes to talk to all sorts of other people, creating a plausible di- deniability, as long as that guy never flips on you. Yeah. yeah it's, I mean, and that's, that was the, that was the, you know, um, what's it, Sammy the Bull situation, where they got gaudy the same way. If there's a one guy who's in on all of your criminal schemes, when that guy turns, it's game over. Yeah. Right. All right. So, uh, but he is talking about the plan. And we don't get all of the details of the plan immediately, but essentially we find out that a plan exists to do something sinister. It was pay, it was created by one Dr. Valenti, right? Yep. And they're going to use it to do something sinister and Vinny's going to take the fall for that. And then we get, and then in walks, uh, the last time they'll do the thing that I always talk about, which is create just the greatest names for characters. The final example of that, DeWitt Clifton. Oh my yeah. God. Just the <laughs> waspest name on the planet. <laughs> like, like, uh, like, the, like Ashley in, uh, in, in, um, Gone with the Wind. Oh yeah, exactly. Like just yeah, such a, same. <laughs> this ridiculous name, DeWitt Clifton. Oh my God. You know, he's just uh, the country club guy who's the guy in the Justice Department. And mysteriously, the head of the OCB is off on an extended training thing. Yes. Thus, and now DeWitt Clifton, who's just a guy who works at the State Department, has been put in charge of them. An assistant. Dis- uh, an, an, an assistant. assistant uh, yeah. General. Yeah, assistant to the attorney general has been put in charge of them. And of course, we will see the attorney general at some point. Interestingly, it's a different attorney general. But of course, now uh, that actually does make sense within the world of the show because um, Reagan's out of the White House and Bush is in at this point. That's right. There were two Bushes. Yes. A father and a son. And both were terrible for their own reasons. Each each was terrible in his own way. You can say that about them. All right. Uh, so, yes, we've got DeWitt Clifton, and DeWitt Clifton is instructed to bring Vinny in for some kind of an important government, like an important internal security kind of job. He doesn't get any details. It is a completely need-to-know basis. But Vinny is brought to town and invited to a party that night. Right. And this is where we introduce Vinny and Frank and the scene you're talking about where Frank just lays out everything about how Washington works. And Vinny doesn't listen to any of it because he is in the middle of a, you know, a Frank Capra fantasy. Yes. I mean, he goes so far as to say it like they're not they are wearing their heart on their sleeve. Yeah. What do you think? A Frank Capra movie? Oh, yeah. That's exactly what I think. And that's exactly what he thinks. And it's like, and this is, this is the interesting blinkered view that Vinny has. Cause it's like the utter naivete that he could still have about America and what it stands for at this point in his life. Like 
And I mean, he tries to do the thing of like, maybe we didn't always live up to our, uh, our best ideals, but it's like, at least we stand for something. And I'm like, you're quoting words written by slave owners, dude. (laughs) It's just like, it, it is, it is an interesting fact that, well, when you think about it, the only government arc that we've had that is tangentially related to the government yeah right is the as you say roger lococo the prophet yeah the mal prophet but really roger lococo arc arc, right and and roger is as he knows how everything works he's as cynical he 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 knew yeah he finally figured out on which side of the road he was and mm-hmm. got the hell out. Yep. And he told Vinny they were going to do the same to him. If he yep. stayed long enough, they would eventually do the exact same thing to him that they did to Roger. And this is an arc about Roger being right. Yep. And spoiler alert, that sounds amazing, but it doesn't have the courage of its convictions. And that's what we're complaining. That's what we're going to spend all of next week complaining about. Yeah, and I would say, given what happens by the time we get to the end of this particular third year, and Ken Wall decides, so he who can't knows? do it anymore? Yeah, yeah. I mean, and who knows whether it is uh, the network or whether it is um, Canal? I don't see why Canal would be dropping his convictions because yeah. the, right, right now, look, they've gotten rid of Bechtel. Yep. They've gotten rid of, and this is a true nest of vipers. Mm -hmm. And you don't know. And Vinny is just not having any of it. No. No, he is. He just can't listen and he can't believe that uh, because he believes that America is based on principles that are bigger than the people who try to, you know, control that power. Like he full on says, like people try to control the power, but it never sticks because, you know, you can only really have access to the power if you're working for the, you know, essentially he's saying for the best interests of the people, because that's what it's all about. And I'm like, oh my God, you're so naive. (laughs) Like, dude, there's this book called Manufacturing Consent. Okay. (laughs) Go read it. <laughs> Go read it, Vinny. Because all of your ideas, right, about, you know, the the beautiful, the beautiful origins of the government and like all of the good things that America is for, that's all propaganda that was sold to you starting in your early childhood. Well, and with your parents. Exactly. Yeah, it all came from no, your parents. I mean, but it was stuff that was sold to them, too. That's that's how propaganda works. And in school and exactly. all the rest of it, like, you know. You just got told all of these beautiful stories about America, none of which were true. And you haven't figured that one out yet. No, Roger it's, figured it out. Roger figured out he was working for a bottling him. company. But it took him how long to get there? And this was so bad. Yep. Right? That he finally... That he turned. finally couldn't do it anymore. Exactly. And... If they could have connected this arc to that and planned Vinny's exit, 
this could have been the most important arc in the series. Yes. They don't. No, because so far, I mean, it's, it's, you know, I mean, it works, it works well. Yeah. At yeah. this point. Um, yeah. You know, I mean, he goes in, then he has to go in and meet with. Oh, no, uh, but first we have to mention hey. the, um, the party scene. Because uh, Admiral Striken is at the party. And uh, as as Vinny says when he talks to Frank, well, there's proof of your Vipers theory going in. Because, of course, Admiral Striken is who they both know. I mean, hell, um, uh, Frank still believes Roger is dead and Vinny has to pretend he is. And they both know Admiral Striken is the operations guy for... Leland Masters, meaning they're both in a room with the guy they both that they know attempted to kill Roger to keep the secret of what was going on in Il Pavo. So that's kind of like it's a good scene because it's a good hint. And we have um, Admiral Striken using his connection to Kay Gallagher, a character who will be very disappointing <laughs> going forward. It's just because they don't know how to write for women. No, I they swear don't. They never, fi- they never figure it out. All right, but he is introduced. Uh, Vinny is pointed out to her as someone who is worth getting to know and worth spending time with by Admiral Striken. And she seems to, he is clearly one of her, like, sources on the hill. Right? Yeah. Someone she can go to for inside information because she is a lawyer who works for a lobby- lobbying firm that largely works for foreign governments who are looking to lobby America. Right? Yeah, so that and is, she runs. Yeah. And she runs it, yes. I say works for, she runs it. As we learn, like, all of the name partners are long since dead. Yeah. <laughs> Two dead and one in a rest home. And one in a rest home, <laughs> exactly. But, uh, like... As, as she says, you know, America is built on worshipping, you know, the people who are gone, uh, like worshipping the men who founded it. So, you know, you want to have these long patrician, right? Uh, it, it's like just like Rome. Yeah, just like Rome, in fact. Yeah. Almost exactly <laughs> like Rome. Yeah. You want to be able to date yourself back to the Mayflower. You know, that, <laughs> it's that kind of thing. In this case, you want in Rome, you wanted to date yourself back to the overthrow of the kings. Well, yes, of course, but it's it's exactly the same kind of right, attitude. It's exactly like, the same idea. Yeah. yeah, it's like who did uh, my ancestors fought in the Revolutionary War? Blah 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 blah. That kind of thing. Yes, and my ans- and my ancestors overthrew King Tarquinius. Yep. And we see the end and the beginnings of the Republic. Yeah, yes, exactly. It's exactly the same. Yeah. And it's it's just there at the core of how Americans think about themselves. It, that that narrative is like right there to it. And so it's just it's fascinating. But anyway, so uh, everybody meets each other. We meet um, we meet Dr. Valenti, who is the guy who wrote a primer for non-genuine destabilization, which is the uh, think tank piece that we heard mentioned. And we found out that. Uh, Kay's firm, Tenzer, Kurtzman, and Lloyd, are supposed to be the only people who have a copy of it. That is somehow important to this whole thing. Right, okay. Oh, and um, we find out that Mark uh, it was one of Dr. Valenti's students. 
Yes. And is still like thinks very highly of Dr. Valenti. Well, friend of the family. Close. Yeah, they're very close. He's a friend of the family. As he says, he was like at their house every week for potluck dinners when he was getting his degree. So yeah, he's extremely close with the family. And that is also key to what's going to happen next. And again, it shows how human in like essentially uh human connection is something that these kinds of plans don't predict for. Like people who make these elaborate plans like Masters does, is doing, can forget that people aren't just pieces on a board that he is playing with. That people have their own motivations and that can completely screw up a, a perfectly good plan you have. But that's somewhere we'll get. Because, uh, and this is the the key part, all right. What happens after the party? Valenti gets killed. Yep. Yeah. Valenti gets assassinated. Yeah. We have a uh, an interesting scene where, you know, Vinny talks, uh, where we establish, right, where we establish Vinny meeting Kay. But the key part is that in the next scene, a guy comes in and assassinates Valenti, pretending that it is a just robbery. Of mm -hmm. the convenience store he went into while he was walking his dog. And it's, it's shocking and it's rough. And of course, they get a look at his badge that says he has access to the National Security Council headquarters. So they call the FBI. Oh no, they call the Justice Department. So Mark gets a call and they just rush over to the crime scene. And Mark, again, great performance, completely breaks down. Yeah. Really good performance as he completely breaks down while trying to take over the case. You know, because he is uh, announcing that this is the FBI is going to take this over. Right. And of course, luckily, Frank and Vinny are there to keep him calm and say, you know, it's like, you've got the FBI coming. We'll handle this. You go deal with his family, which we actually get that scene yeah. of Mark coming to tell the wife and daughter that. Valenti has been killed. Like it's it's rough. Like they actually go into the consequences of it. I thought that was very well done. Yes, but at this point, nobody knows it's an assassination. Well, no, nobody knows yet. And yeah. the only reason they're looking into it so much is because he has a personal connection to Mark. That's yeah. the thing. We don't know it's an assassination. Mark just wants to make sure they get this guy, and so he's going to use all of his right, every bit of like resources possible in his name. And that's what Vinny says. I mean, you help me do this for Frank. We'll figure this out for you. Sorry. when um, not Frank. Oh my God. For Pete, when Pete was killed, you helped yeah. me do go whatever. And we will do the same thing. We know how meaningful this is to you. Uh, but of course, before they can really start looking into it, you know, DeWitt Clifton sends Mark home to, you know, uh, spend time with the family and Vinny gets taken for his meeting at the White House. Whoa. I know because, and uh, this is again, um, a follow up to something we heard back in season one that Le Leland Masters was literally so highly placed that he has an office inside the White House. Yep. You know, he has been the head of the National Security Council for who the hell, like, who the hell knows how long, right? Yep. And in a nice touch, when he goes to the meeting, uh, because they've just been working on the case all night, Vinny is still wearing his tuxedo from the party. Yeah. Just a nice little touch. And then he comes in, and of course he's unhappy to see Admiral Stryken there. And Admiral Stryken's like, uh, you know, we need we need you for this job because, 
you despise me, meaning that if you come to the same conclusion I did, no one would possibly say that you were in my pocket. I'm like, it's, it's a nice pitch. But what I love about this scene is that Vinny doesn't believe him for a second. He really doesn't. Like, Vinny never, like, he's interested in hearing what they have to say and what their pitch is, but he doesn't believe them. That's correct. Yeah, and that's, I find that very interesting. He is not taken in by these guys for a second. Well, and why would he be? Why would he be? Well, no, but uh, the what I love about it is... You can see that Admiral Stri uh, both Admiral Strike and less so him, but more Leland Masters is so impressed with himself. Yeah. Vinny doesn't believe him for a second, and it doesn't occur to him that Vinny doesn't believe him for a second. Oh, no. No, no. He thinks he can play Vinny. Exactly. There's no question. And that is that is the strangest part of Leland Masters' breath what we call blind spot. Yeah. Well, he is, he believes his own press. That is his blind spot. Yeah. And, and the thing is, is that Vinny is, Vinny didn't get to be the, bring down the commission. Yeah. Bring down the, the top man at the OCB by like being easy to dupe. Yeah. And, um, but you know, I mean, He's had his way for so long. Yeah. He's been there at World War II. He worked on the, he stayed the there. Marshall plan, the Marshall yeah. Plan. He, yep. you know, he's, he's, uh, yeah, he's American military royalty. Yeah. And I mean, the thing is, when you've been giving people orders and having them follow them unquestionably for that, unquestioningly for that long, like being someone who's in charge becomes like the core of your personality. Yep. Like it would never occur to him that anyone wouldn't follow his orders. And anyone, he's at the, I mean, we will later hear that it's like the president does whatever he says. Yeah. Which, you know, is a comment, by the way, um, for people who don't know about the the political drama of the late 80s and early 90s, the one of the ideas about Bush was that he was kind of a wimp who was led around by stronger people. And that is what they are, you know, pointedly referring here. You know, think of, think of this, uh, think of Leland Masters, you know, as a Alexander Haig type of figure, you know, I mean, he's not the secretary of defense, but he's that type of figure with that type of influence over the government. All right. So, uh, <laughs> he gets the speech. They, uh, show him, they explain what the plan is. They say that we intercepted, uh, a package and inside that package was a, um, was a counterfeit plate for making, well, or just a pressing plate for making Japanese yen. And so he says, someone is planning to create, you know, hundreds of billions of yen and flood the J Japan with this perfect counterfeit yen, destabilizing their economy. That is what he says is going to happen. And he wants Vinny to find out who's behind it. And of course, uh, <laughs> Vinny, of course, says yes, because what is he going to do in this position? <laughs> Not a whole hell of a lot. <laughs> like He knows he's being set up. But if he if he goes along with it, he can at least hope to figure out what they're planning. So it's a completely logical thing for him to do to say he's going to go along with it. Well, 
Okay, I'm not sure that he knows yet that he's being set up. No, not you're right. Not completely because, set up. Because remember, we're taking it luck looking at two episodes. We are. And he they honest he honestly believes that Kate Gallagher is being set up as the fall person. Yes. But I, I guess what I mean by set up is he knows not there's so much that he knows. Wrong. Well well he knows there's something wrong because he knows this guy would never trust him. And he knows this is who tried to kill Roger, and he knows this guy would screw him if there were any opportunity to do so. Yeah. So it's like, and that's the thing. You're right that he doesn't have any firm suspicions. He just knows this has to be hinky. And so it's just a question of how it's hinky. You know? Yeah, I, you know, it's, it's, um, he, because it is a world he doesn't understand. Exactly. You know, I mean, that is, even now, right? Yeah. Looking at this, like like looking at these early two episodes, it is clear mm-hmm. there are some things, and he's a fast study, but for whatever reason, not in government. Not when it comes to government. You well, know, as, no, as Frank says, it's partially because he believes all of these lies of government. Yeah. All of the lies he gets told. And yeah. his focus was always on these big guys, right? Oh yeah. And the Absolutely. music industry was fun. Yeah. You know, in that in that sense. And he's always been he was hired because his name was Terranova. Yeah. Because he would yeah. Uh, like uh because he would fit in. Right. That's why. Okay. Like he's he's a guy they could use to get what they wanted. And so he's always had the government on his side and he has trouble accepting Frank's point of view, which is the problem is once you cross these people, they're the ones with the law on their side and you're on you're on the outside for the first time. But he knows something's up. They don't know what it is. Pointedly, they have no idea what's up. They just know something's up. And so they go and they talk to Mark and they're like, we have to keep our heads down. Mark, go and work on this thing, but pretend you're not like pretend you're on leave. Do not report to anyone but me. Okay, but what has happened is Mark is in the house and he has gone through the computer. He has gone through the files. He has gone through disks and everything is gone. Nothing. No work at all. While they were at the party. Everything was deleted from his computers and someone ran a magnet over just his entire file collection. So, yes, obviously someone is trying to make something disappear. Yeah. But Mark does find a paper copy. Yeah. Or, well, no, Vinny, he first goes and looks. Yes. Like he goes goes to the library because Vinny says, no, you've got to stay home. You can't have them know. But you're, you're working, working on it. Exactly. Find out what he was working on. So he goes to the library and starts going through the books and he goes through the microfiche. And what I love is that it's like Valenti is such a good academic that he filed all of his papers with the university library. <laughs> but it's like, because even if there, there was, because as far as anyone else knew, there was only supposed to be the copy that the copy that got uh, kept at Tenzer Kurtzman and Lloyd. Yeah. Right. And that's what everyone that was the one they only thought existed. But the problem is Valenti was a, a good, solid academic and he wrote a piece of academic work. So he put it on file at the university where he has tenure. And yep. so Mark is able to just go through everything he wrote for the past X amount of time to find it. 
So yeah, that's a nice touch where a little bit of like part of this gets revealed because of his habit of uh, because of his just the ingrained habits you get into as a professor. I, I, I did like that aspect to it. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, it's a nice scene. And so they find out the whole plan, which is dump a huge amount of money into Japan to do it. And of course, Mark reports this to them. He's like, it's just a crazy plan. And then Vinny's like, yeah, it would be a crazy plan if Leland Masters hadn't handed me a counterfeit plate. Yeah. So this is actually happening. It's happening right now, and we have to figure out what to do about it. And then we get a very fun scene. It's not Where's the Money, which is the the best scene. Yeah. Yes. But it's it's a really good well, breakdown scene. Because neither Mark nor Frank, or yeah. Mark in particular, can understand, because Vinny says, but the government, Masters, the government, the American government is going to do doing this. this. The only people who could do this. No, no, no. What about private enterprise? These these billionaires. Yeah. Right. Mark just can't believe the U.S. government would do this. And he'd have like, that they you know, would, it's, it's all a conspiracy, yeah. that there would be a conspiracy and they would kill people. And it's like, Mark is even more naive than Vinny is. Because mm. oh, wow. he's a functionary. Mark, yeah. Because Mark is inside the system and doesn't. Yeah, doesn't yeah. doesn't do. But the thing is, is that I really thought it was good. So, but it is Mark who is really an academic, research academic, exactly in his in his soul, um, and that's why he's there. Like mm -hmm. that's why he's in the FBI. Yeah. Um. So he lays it all out. Yes. Right. Step by step, what you would um, need to make the plan work. How You'd have to be able to produce it. You'd have to be able to smuggle it across the country. You'd have to have a defense against it affecting you. Yes. And as he said, and the Mark thinks that everything, a giant and uh, multinational corporation could do all of this without any trouble. But Vinny gets him with the key part, which is uh, the Senator Getzloff, who is the exact same one who, you know, conspired to have Roger killed. Yep. By delaying his uh, testimony over the weekend, right? She is doing planning a restrictive trade bill, essentially s completely cutting off America from Japan with ridiculous amounts of tariffs, right? Yep. And just at the same time that they that this plan is going forward, and as he says, uh, how could a how could a corporation? Be responsible for that. Like the government has to be the one pulling the strings. No one corporation can get that big of a bill passed, but the government can. Yeah, and it it is this you know defending against the destruction of your own currency. Exactly. You can't have your currency get caught up in the thing you're planning to do to Japan's currency, which you know makes a ton of sense. Yeah, and damn the torpedoes. <laughs> exactly right. You know, so it's a hugely protectionist bill. Yep. They've been trying to do it for decades mm -hmm. and have not been able to. And it's never I, been able to pass, but now. They, well, and they also talk about the fact that there are still these old guard people, like they talk about the old guard who still can't get over Japan yep. and Pearl Harbor, you know. Yep. And, um, it it yeah. is it is it is fascinating 
in terms of its understanding of people of mythologies, mm-hmm. you know, um, and, you know, if you want to keep your country racist, yeah, you have all of these, all of these, these things. And you're always trying to push that somehow or another D- Japan is responsible for destroying your economy. Yep. Well, no, and that's the fascinating thing is like basically the the cover up for the you know the bankers takeover of America back in the 80s and 90s where they essentially got rid of all taxes on rich people and they're like okay well now the economy sucks who the hell are we supposed to blame for us and the convenient well who's getting better in the world right now Japan's getting bigger in the world right let's blame Japan and you have now it's China. Now, yeah, today it's China, but it's still really that the rich people are siphoning off all of our money. <laughs> That's what's causing all of these problems. Well, they're not rich people don't pay their taxes. That's right; they don't pay their fair. They share. They don't pay their share. They're all leeches Sometimes on the rest of done. us. Yeah, yeah, they're uh, all rich people are just leeches who take our work and turn it into their money. And they just need someone to blame for it. And, and, so, and the government helps them keep their money. Of course, that's what the government, well, that's what the government's for. It's for keeping the current status quo operable. At but least, now, now we're, I'm getting close to talking about, you know, Marxism here. So let's, let's take a step back and uh, get back to the actual episode. Yeah, you know, I mean, so you have... You yeah. know, who have this this understanding of, you know, and he's they say, I mean, all he needs, you know, I mean, he goes through it. Vinny goes through it. Vinny understands it like he mm-hmm. needs it explained to him. But he's a very quick study. Yep. That's what makes Vinny so good at what at he his does. job. Oh, absolutely. Is that he may not understand economics, period. They want Mark to break it down for them in simple terms. Mm-hmm. And then Vinny can go, okay, the government can do this, the government can do this, the government can do this. Yeah, there's no part of this plan that the government can't pull off. And they need to find a scapegoat. Yeah. And then they think that Kay Gallagher will be that scapegoat. Will be the scapegoat because she's got that paper. Yeah, she's got the paper. And again, she's someone they don't like anyway, because as he said, she works for Japan. Mm Mm-hmm. And she works for Japan, selling them uh, essentially the thing they say that he was most uh, uh, it was the the line about Pearl Harbor, which is he essentially cut a deal. She had been the one who managed a deal that made uh, it okay for the U.S. the Japanese government to get United States fighter plane technology. Yep. And Leland Masters. So to, uh, to Leland Masters' minds, she's a traitor to the United States because she's, you know, giving their technology away to their national enemies. Now, I mean, I'm not going to say a lot of good things about the Japanese government, but calling them America's national enemies anymore is kind of a bonkers idea. <laughs> but that's that's what they say. He's still suffering from that greatest generation PTSD. Yep is definitely what they're implying and, in fact, will state later on in the series. All right. Uh, so he, uh, Vinny goes to see Kay Gallagher to ask about, uh, right, to ask about this, and she asks him for a, uh, 
not a warrant, but she like needs her to him to sign a receipt to get her copy of the file. It's not that. She asks, he asks, oh yeah, just mm. to get this copy of the destabilization paper thing that they have. Yeah. And everything that she's now they don't, he doesn't want every, no, he wants all the files. Yeah. All the files on the guy who commissioned related, them and the Japanese government. Yeah. Related to Japan. And he says, well, he said, we can wait for a warrant. Or you can just hand it over to me. Yeah, or you can just hand it over to me. She has them, he, she has him sign. Yeah. Uh, you know, because there's a security issue. I mean, she can't. Oh, yeah. You know, she she can't deny him because he's got probably greater clearance than she does. Of course. Um, And so he gets all of those things back trying you know and so then they start to go through all of her files on japan mm -hmm. and it's almost impossible yeah it's so gigantic that. yeah how much could they like what could they ever find out of this uh in all of the stuff she's done there's got to be a shortcut and so Vinny goes to talk to leland masters because they're like well if it's his plan and it's a reasonable thing for him to think if it's his plan he needs it to succeed, so he can't wait for me to fail at an in succeed an investigation. If we're not obviously making progress, he'll just tell us where to go next. Yeah. And it's a good plan. And so he goes and he talks to Leland Masters and he shakes Leland Masters' hand and says they're going to work together on this while, you know, preparing to stab the man at the back, in the back at the first opportunity. Which, of course, both of them are doing. Doing, yes. Yeah. And the only difference is that uh, one of them thinks he's getting away with something. Yeah. Well, the other thing that we missed, though, of course, um, is that Kate tells him that it was just a voice on the phone yes. that commissioned this paper from Valenti. Yeah, that it was just like a guy, just some guy. Yeah, his uh, name just, was Wilson. That was yeah, it. Yeah, his name was Wilson. He called up, he asked for a thing. And Valenti thought it was crazy, but as he said, if a check shows up, I'll write the paper. Let me know. Yeah. And now, as she says, a check showed up, a guy came up, a courier uh, appeared to collect the paper, and that is the entirety of her involvement with it. Yeah, now what's interesting here, right, is that when we find out who Wilson is, yeah. I cannot believe that Kate Gallagher didn't know who Wilson was. Well, no, I think because Wilson is a very common name... I don't think he used the, like the guys used the full name in the, in the specific example. Cause you got to remember part of this was that it was supposed to be relatively secret and spoiler alert. Um, Wilson is Howard Hughes. Yeah. No, I was he's, just he's Howard Hughes. Yeah. He's he is Howard, Howard Hughes. Character. Yeah. And the thing is they needed it to be, um, I think they didn't tell her that it was which Wilson it was supposedly. Right. Because they wanted her not to talk about it too much. Right. Yeah. And I, I got to say, if you got a phone, if you're a Capitol Hill law firm and you just got a phone call from from fake Howard Hughes in this world, that is the kind of thing that you were going to be telling everybody. Like that is the kind of gossip that people live for in the Beltway, you know? So yeah, well, I, I, I kind just, of accept that they she was a, they didn't use his full name well, no, for that they, specific they, reason. Nobody might have used his full no because supposedly Wilson called. Yeah, but I'm going. This girl is supposed to be. This woman is supposed to be at the top of her game. Yeah, you know, and part of knowing is knowing all of the players, and he has all he had always been a player. 
Yeah, but what I'm saying is there's a million people named Wilson out there and she would have no idea which one called her. That's my point, because there was just a man named Wilson on the phone. I don't think when the fake guy making the call called her, they said, this is whatever his name is. Bob will. Well, I mean, he's got a much more elaborate name because they're good. OK, OK, wait a minute, wait a minute, wait a minute, wait a minute. Go, I haven't go. watched the last two episodes, so. OK, I we'll talk about this. Yeah, we'll, we'll, yeah, we'll, we'll discuss this tomorrow. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We'll discuss this on sorry, next week's episode. Yes. All right. So. <laughs> We get into episode two. So Vinny has agreed to start working on this thing. All right, uh-huh. We have moved into episode two. And uh, we start with, as always, one of the big recap scenes. Yes. The show does love its recap scene. Although, in the show's defense, this is a very convoluted arc. This, this is there are a lot of moving pieces. Yeah. Right? Uh, we start at the funeral. Right? Uh, we start at the funeral where the heroic <laughs> Ted Kennedy-esque uh, a senator from the Roger story is the one giving the speech. Uh, because everyone knew and liked Andrew Valenti, we find out this time. He was something of a big wheel as an economist. Mm-hmm. And as they say, his his big innovation was he always focused um, when he was doing his economic theories, he was and this is again, this does fit in with the show's worldview and our, you know, anti-capitalist and economic reading of Wise Guy, because the thing that he did differently from everyone else was that he always put um, essentially the value that humans added to any economy as the forefront part of all of his uh, of all, right, of his economic calculations. Yes. In and, other words, human beings are also resources. Yes, exactly. Are a fundamental resource of any country. And it's like, that's that's not that far from saying the workers are the most important thing. So I'm just saying it fits in nicely with oh, our leftist oh, reading well, of Wise Guy. He's supposed to, yes. No, no. He's supposed to be the J. Kenneth Galbraith figure. Yes, type figure. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. You human foam. Yeah. Human-focused economics. It's a great which, idea. Which which did not. The Mil- Milton Friedmans of the world and the Ayn Rands of the world took over. Yeah. And But it's always been the two, two polar views yeah. of yeah. economics. And spoiler yeah, alert. And when uh, Whenever right-wing economics gets put in charge of anything, it turns out they're wrong about everything. <laughs> consistently okay, let's, get but let's get back to the episode it's a nice little eulogy and then they go outside and um uh and masters is very unhappy to see Vinny there so he's like you should be working on the case and Vinny says i am working on the case valenti was murdered right uh valenti was murdered assassinated and i believe it is connected to this and uh i believe it is connected to this case so it was okay. important that I be at the funeral. Okay, because what we have what we have not told everybody is that it went from murder to assassination. Yeah. Because they because found curare on the bullets. Yes. He was um uh he was poisoned as well as shot to make it absolutely sure. certain he died. Now, had this not had he not been a friend of Mark's Like, if you get a corpse at the hospital with two bullets in his heart, you're not going to run a toxicology scan on that corpse. 
Because why would you? But because he was a close friend of Mark's, he got the A1 royal treatment and they found the curare packed bullets. Right. So they know that someone was trying to make absolutely sure he didn't survive. And upon hearing this, Leland Masters, you know, takes uh, Admiral Strike aside and slaps him in the face and says, you don't kill civilians. <laughs> so that's right. He didn't know about it. He didn't know about the assassination. Uh, now, it's not like he it's not like he kicks the man out or does anything like that. But it's interesting that whether he lives it or not. Leland Masters believes there are lines. Yeah, right? but however, he did tell Strykin to take care of everything. He did. And to make he, sure that... Uh, at the same time, though, you can say that he said take care of it, but in the same scene, he literally says to Admiral Strykin, I can't wait until Valenti, you know, finds out that his plan was used to destroy Japan. Yeah. <laughs> So he is clearly picturing a world in which Andrew Valenti is still alive and finds out about this. And it's it's Stryken who makes the call. And it is 100% explicit, Stryken made the call to have Valenti killed. And I'm not saying Leland Masters is a good guy. This is not a defense of anything he does in the show. But there is one thing he did not, one bad thing that happens... That is, in fact, the reason this, you know, partially all falls apart the way it does, that was all striking and not him. So I just okay. think it's worth remembering. That. And just remember, though, that the that the thing that Masters is upset about is the Karari. Of course. Because he says none of this was supposed to be come back to us. None of this. Yeah. So he doesn't really care that Valenti is dead. Well, he does say that you don't kill civilians and he does slap him in the face. Well, yes, I know, in but public. then, but his, but his whole, his whole rationale. Yes, is that it can be traced back to us. You're right. Yeah, yeah, that, no, that's, that's what he's, what he's really most upset. I'm not going to say that you're not. You're wrong. That is what he is most upset about. You were completely right. No, no, I uh, totally you're right about that. <laughs> oh God, such a good episode. All right, so uh, we come back. We've had the funeral. Right. Uh, Vinny says, oh, and Vinny says, call off your uh, your dogs, right? Call off your dogs and don't uh, and don't follow me around anymore. It doesn't help with my investigation. And Masters is like, they're there to protect you. And he's like, I'm in the FBI. I've got my own people. Yeah. Ah, so then they send a uh, they send the FBI search team to take apart Tenzer, Kurtzman and Lloyd. I get every piece of evidence they can, some hook to Mr. Wilson, figure out what it is. And then so Vinny goes and he has dinner with Kay to try and ask her what she knows, to try and get something out of her. But like she said, she literally doesn't know anything. All she knows is she was commissioned to have a report written. Valenti wrote it. That's it. And they're searching the place, but they're not going to like, what are they going to find? Yeah, nothing. There's nothing they can find. It's very interesting. And then it turns out that a character uh, we are going to meet really uh, meet very soon is in the suite next to Vinny's in, I assume, the Watergate. I don't know what hotel <laughs> they are, but they've got to be in the Watergate, right? 
Sure, why not? The very next room over is uh, the same actor who would go on to play, um, who would go on to play, uh, uh, oh God, um, I'm blanking on her name. Aisha Tyler on uh, Criminal Minds. I'm blanking on the uh, character's name. But anyway, the one who played her dad. Oh, 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 I'm going. Tara Lewis, Tara Lewis, Tara Lewis. There you go. Tara Lewis's dad. Tara Lewis's dad. Yes. Yeah. I just thought it was interesting that it's the same actor. Okay. Yeah. Uh, so yeah, same actor who plays Tara Lewis's dad plays the uh, the Marine Special Forces guy who will be pivotal for the next section of the plot. And we meet him here because wow. the next scene is him going to see. And again, it comes down to uh, it comes down to the show not being interested in tricking us or surprising us. So we just see him go for a schwitz. And to meet uh, Admiral Stryken to check in about how things went. And he gets yelled at for having a guy use curare-packed bullets, which is, you know, a reasonable thing to yell at him. And the guy responds quite simply that it's like, look, you can say that there can be no clues that it's um, that it's uh, an assassination, or you can say it has to be absolutely 100% certain that this man dies, but you can't have both. Yeah. So at the end of the day, you said he had to die. I told the uh, the operative, my contractor, that he had to die. And this is what he came up with. Yeah, he's ex-CIA. Yeah, as he says, you know, you spend enough time in CIA, everything becomes an elaborate game of cat and mouse. So it's like with these trick bullets and things like that. It's all this extra nonsense that gets added to what should be a very simple job. So it's like, yeah, that's that's just the way covert ops works. It becomes second nature at a certain point. So yeah, good scene, very good scene, and uh, we get actually something that's really important at the end, where as Striken is walking out, he tells he tells the guy, you know, just hold on, you're going to get new orders. Just wait until we know what we need you to do, and in a moment that's going to be very important for the character later, because this show sets everything up as he's walking out, as Striken's walking out, because he does because somebody else comes in and he doesn't want them to be seen together. Uh, he refers to him as, you know, major on the way out. And the guy walking in is like, Oh, you're major in the army. He's like, no Marines. And he's like, you know, and it just tells him, yeah, good man. And then you get a look on the guy's face that he's not comfortable being, complimented for being in the Marines. Yeah. Because, and I mean, we know, I mean, we'll find out later what that's about, but again, it just, it's like what we were talking about with Albert the other day. They're obviously full on telling people, they're obviously full on telling people every bit about their character and what's going on with their characters, bef you know, the first day they're on set. Because this guy plays something on his face here that's actually vitally important later. And if you hadn't had this moment with the other guy in the Schwitz, there's something that's going to happen later that might have seemed contrived or too easy. Does that make yeah. sense? Yep. Okay. So you know what I'm doing. Well, you know what I'm talking about. <laughs> like, yes. as if you didn't know what I was talking about. I know what you're talking about. Yeah, you know what I'm talking about. All right. So let's get to it. <laughs> All right, so that scene's over, right? That scene's over. We got, has, yeah, has has you know 
you know, slot Vinny one side over the other. She doesn't want to listen to Vinny. Vinny yeah. has tried to tell her she is going to be made the fall guy for this. Yeah. And I, what I love is it's like her first thought is, are you threatening to like implicate me in an assassination? He's like, no, I'm telling you someone is doing that and you better get out ahead of it. Yeah. But it's like she can't believe she doesn't have, you know, power in the situation because she's been as a powerful lobbyist. She's been used to having power in these situations for so long. She can't believe she would be blindsided like this. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And so even she's being naive. And then we get into what it's about because they go see the uh, <laughs> they go see the heroic senator. And explain to him the I explain to him what's going to happen. They're going to attack Japan, right? And the only way to stop it is for you to kill the trade bill. And he's like, I'm not in a position where I can kill the trade bill. They're going to have their 51 votes, right? They're they're pulling arms all over the place. And as he says, uh, being against Japan is good politics right now. Well, no, the funniest line is though when they tell him the plan. Yeah. And Mark yeah. says, crazy, isn't it? He said, it's absolute lunacy. Why wouldn't I believe it? <laughs> I know. Yeah, it's like, yes. he, well, he knows masters. he hates masters and he knows that this is the kind of insane thing masters would do in his, you know, trying to call it, like be in charge of the world. Mm -hmm. And then we see masters and Senator Getzloff in bed together and they're uh, planning their how they're going to be manipulating and controlling all of the various people whose arms they have to twist for this. A nice little scene. You know, because, like, literally, you know, corruption under the sheets part. Right? Yeah. They want to show every level of this corruption and make it absolutely clear that in every way these people are bound up and corrupt. And, you know, if they're a romantic couple, it makes it easier to understand why she would, uh, you know, be along with his plan to murder Roger that time. <laughs> oh, sure. Of course. Yeah. And so two two crazy ideologues. Oh, absolutely. And so then we get a scene where Mark and Frank and Vinny are working on it in the basement and Cliff comes in, DeWitt Clifton comes in <laughs> to try and find out what's going on because, you know, uh, he, it's all he's supposedly in charge. And Vinny's like, no, sorry, this is a National Security Council matter. And you don't have clearance to hear anything we're talking about. The need to know, and you don't need to need know. To know. You told me. Yeah. Oh, it's so good. You told me that it's like this is important. Well, here we are. <laughs> oh God, it's a nice scene. It's a very nice scene. And, and then, Frank of course, said, oh please. And Frank says, "I was going to say." And then Frank says, "I always wanted to do that." Yeah, throw the director out of the a meeting room. And then so Cliff, being a mediocre white man in the most definitive way possible, goes to talk to the supervisor and complain about Vinny. And complain about the fact that he's being shut out, which makes him suspect that there's something, you know, sinister going on. And it's great because all it takes to shut him up and get him to stop worrying about this is making sure that he's invited to a dinner that night. Yes. Because again, for him, it's all like social position and uh, it's like position in the government and social climate. Like, that's why he does this. <laughs> it's a good scene. Oh, yeah. I'm not going to complain. Yeah. It's a very nice scene. 
And then, of course, Leland finds out that uh, Leland is extremely pissed off that he's not being reported in. So he doesn't know that the plan to frame Kay is working. And so he says, screw this, and just goes down to the FBI, to the Justice Building, and demands to be let in. And Vinny says, don't let him in. (laughs) It's no different. Like, he's not cleared for this building. He might be on the National Security Council, but this is the FBI. He doesn't have a right to be here. Okay, what you've you've forgotten... Sorry, what I've skipped over. Yes. Yes, what you've skipped over is an important part of this plot. They They have found out where the package was mailed from. Oh, yes, um, to be clear. Well, uh, yes, I'll make that clear. So he demanded, what Vinny demanded was that they get, um, right, what Vinny demanded was that they get the the package that it was mailed in. And so they're able to find out that the paper was from a grocery store bag from a very small local chain that's only in three states. And so they search through all of the, um, Mark puts a 200 mile radius around all of the stores and searches for places where you could possibly run this kind of operation through there. And so what they need is a place they can print money, a place they can store money and a place they can fly the money out. And so they're looking for a location that has it Sun Valley. And one of the things that is notable is Don Valley, Utah is on that list. Yeah, anyway, there's a whole bunch of places on the list, and they're yeah. looking at it. They've broken it down to the last. They've got about 10 on the list. Yeah, that it could and, be. And then finally, Lil and Master storms in. Yeah. Because he's going to get his way because he's Lil and Masters. Exactly. Storm no one in. stands up to him. You know, and he says he wants to know. And so Vinny, very nicely, says, well, this is where we are, and we've got it down to 10. Yeah. And so Lil and Masters looks at the list and says, oh, well, look at this one. Yeah, it's Don Valley, Utah. Hmm. Yeah. yeah How interesting. Is... That's exactly, <laughs> there's an old decommissioned military base there. That would be the perfect kind of place to run this kind of operation. And it was it was too funny because then, of course, Vinny says, well, he now told us where to go. Yeah, we got our newest breadcrumb and he wants us to follow it. So let's go to Utah. Yeah. But the important part is we find out that the in an amazing, in a... So Vinny, you know, wants to go and fly out there. But mm-hmm. before we get to that, we get to a uh, a pretty darn interesting scene where we get a little bit of what's going on with Admiral Striken. Yes, Because this Kay. is the scene. Yeah, this is the scene <laughs> where Kay comes to see him. And he has to rush his, you know, he's gay and he has to rush his partner out of the room because I guess this is kind of a secret. Well, and, yes. but, and yet, at the same time, the partner literally says, you could take me to one of these dinners at some point. Because you got to remember, he's planning for the dinner. He's right now getting ready for the dinner that uh, Cliff was so impressed to be invited to. Yeah. And so the guy's like, you could send me, you could bring me to one of these dinners sometime. And I'm like, and as and as uh, the Admiral says, if I say yes, will that get you out of the room faster? <laughs> Jesus. He's not well, a likable guy is the point. Well, yeah. And and remember, I mean, he would never take him to one of well, these dinners. Of course. It's, uh, it's, it's the 90s, the early 90s. It's the 90s. And he's a Republican. Yeah. Come on. You know, separate from all the cultural stuff, he's a Republican. Yeah. This has to be completely secret. So he, uh, so <laughs> his boyfriend goes down to the bar and Kay shows up because she knows she can trust 
uh, she know well, she thinks she can trust him because she's dealt with him so many times before, right? He's been in on so many things and he's been a source and she's done favors for him. That's all the implicit stuff that's going on, right? Yeah. And so she's like, of course I can trust him and go to him. And of course that is the dumbest thing she could possibly do, but she has no way of knowing that. Uh, so he pretends to, uh, he pretends to, uh, he pretends to make a phone call to try and find out what could be behind this. And of course he's really just calling his uh, boyfriend down at the bar and saying, call me back in 15 minutes so I can pretend I've gotten a source. Yeah. Ugh. And so she's obviously freaking out because she believes Vinny. Like, all the stuff that's happening makes her believe that she's being set up. She just doesn't know who's in on it. And the tragedy is she believes that he couldn't, this guy couldn't possibly be in on it. And, of course, that's going to cause a lot of, lot of trouble for her very soon. <laughs> yeah, well, what's interesting, and, we also, and they also found out who Wilson is. Yes, he's Prescott Wilson. And yes. that is, uh, yeah, he's the guy who owns all of Don Valley, Utah. And as we have said, he is the equivalent of Howard Hughes in this world. Yeah. Like a billionaire who's off in the middle of nowhere. Like a billionaire off in the middle of nowhere. And has isolated himself from everything and everyone. As they say, he hasn't led anybody up on his mountain since there was a Kennedy in the White House. So, yeah, he is. Uh, and there, there, that's actually not an accidental thing by the way like that reference it seems like just a line but that's actually an important thing for that character's motivations yes which is going to come up later so everything pays off like even in a show even in a thing where we're going to have a lot to complain about and i'm not saying we're not going to have a lot to complain about we absolutely are going to have a lot to complain about in next week's episode I can say pretty comfortably that they these are still talented writers doing good work. Oh no, they're doing they're and it's consistency and they do prepare you. The one thing we won't complain about really is is that that the plan, you know, I mean, never mind. Let's Yeah, let's we'll talk it. about it next week. But yes, so and then we get the end scene. Yeah. Basically, because Vinny and um Mike, Uncle Mike have gone. Yeah, they're going uh, out to Utah. They're going to they're going to meet with Prescott Wilson come hell or high water. Yep. And, and the Marine has been and the Marine has been sent to follow them. Yeah. And Kate says that she's gonna go and meet with Prescott Wilson. As well. And of course Admiral Stryker says he'll never talk to you. Oh yes, he will. <laughs> she says. And then she it thinks, turns out. Yeah. She well that, what I love is that she thinks he commissioned the thing, so she'll have to yeah. he'll have to talk to her. Yeah. Well, yeah. Now you've just now you've just spoiled something. I haven't really no. I haven't spoiled anything big. We all know <laughs> that we are. We've said that Leland Masters is behind all of this. Yes. Right. Yes. <laughs> and and it, Leland Masters is the one who sent them to go see Prescott Wilson. Well, it, well, yes, I know. And they yeah. want it. They want a picture of Kate and Vinny yeah. together. Yeah, and we'll talk about that next week. Yeah, we'll talk about that next week. We'll talk about that next week. No, no, but that's the end. Yeah, the end of the episode is them making the plan. Yeah. Yeah, but what happens is is that, yes, I mean, it's going to be next week as well that we Mm -hmm. find out that that Prescott Wilson certainly did not commission this. But yeah, we'll talk about that next week. And the thing is, there's not a lot to talk about here at the end because fundamentally, right – 
everything you need to know about the episode comes right at the, these two episodes comes right at the start with Vinny's ridiculously naive idea about the way the world works. Yes. Right. And the rest of it, right. The rest of it is just plot machinations, you know? It's like, well, you can spin stuff through really quickly if you're only just talking about plot. The stuff that we have to talk about is the character stuff. Character stuff doesn't happen until next week. Yeah, uh, so, so we've yeah. got the plot. We've got everything going to where we're going. Yeah. Um, yeah. It's been set up. As I, I almost thought when I finished those two episodes, I thought we could have almost done all four at once. But that would have been <laughs> No, that would have been too podcast. much. Yeah. That would have been a little too long. But you're not wrong. Like, you're not wrong. Yeah. Because, they, I mean, these first two episodes are just 100% plot. And there's never, like, when it's just plot. Driving it forward. Yeah. When it's just plot driving us forward, there's just never a ton to talk about. That's just the way fiction writing is. Uh, but one thing I find very interesting is, now I'm going to tell you something completely unrelated that i think you might enjoy knowing so uh do you, do you know who created uh the commish not just canal but stephen cronish who was working on this and apparently i just found this out they literally created it for michael chiklis after working with him on wise guy they were oh. so impressed with him in those four episodes that they're like, we're writing this guy a show. And they brought it to, I mean, I think it ended up being on CBS or, well, whatever it ended up being on. But the point is they brought it to either ABC or CBS and then the other ones that went aired it. And when they saw Michael Chiklis, they're like, he's not believable as a nearly 40 year old man. We're not like, you're going to have to recast. We like the pilot. We'll give you like, we'll give you the money to go and shoot the pilot. But you're going to have to recast the commish. And they said no. <laughs> and the next season, they went over to another network, ABC or CBS, who ended up doing it. And they're like, uh, he's been in a couple of TV movies since then. Look at his range. Look at how good he is. Uh, we know you're going to make a lot of money with this show, but we're not doing it without Michael Chiklis. So, yeah, like that actually was in the same way that Robert Davi got the show Profiler because he had been on Wise Guy. Michael Chiklis got the show The Commish because he had been on Wise Guy. Well, it's, it's, it is it is fascinating how all of that works, right? But Canel, of course, had so many irons oh, so and many. at all times, yes. He couldn't have cared less about money. <laughs> No, in, in, the, in that yeah, sense, he was always all. pitching show after show after show after show. Yeah, he always had these ideas, and it started with the Rockford Files. Oh, that was God. and you know, and that, and he just went from from success to success. Unlike Tim Maneer, who keep whose tagline on his Twitter feed is "canceled <laughs> canceled again. again." Well, you know what? He's finally <laughs> found a lot of success with the nine one one show. So there you go. So there like, you go. It took Tim Minear this long, but he finally got himself a hit. A hit big enough that it got a spinoff. So congratulations, Tim Minear. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But yeah, no, he was a guy who had, you're right, show after show after show canceled. Yeah. Quality shows, wonderful shows. Genuinely high quality shows. We're, We've talked about some of them on this. <laughs> We've been podcast. very open about our feelings about the inside, in, in point of fact. Yes, and Tim Minear actually re responded, you know, to, to my our comment, your tweet about it, exactly. Yeah. Yeah. So, uh, but yeah, so the point is, yes, like if nothing else, Wise Guy was the incubator 
of all of the best, not just television shows, but the stars of those television shows, too. Yeah. Like, they're the one, like, this show is the thing that, like, created prestige television. And it feels great to be able to go through it. (laughs) Probably. And I was going to say, and probably created, um, now I'm blanking on his name, Mel Prophet. Oh, Kevin God, Spacey. Kevin Spacey? Yeah, no, I don't know that Kevin oh, yeah. Spacey gets the parts he gets without having been on Wise Guy. That, he he was on Unsub, and that was a brilliant, that got him his his, his yeah. arc on Wise mm. Guy. And... Oh, no, 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 Unsub was after. It was because he was on Crime Story that he got Wise Guy. Okay. Because remember, Kevin Spacey was a last-minute addition after they fired Gary Cole. Yeah. Why is that Gary Cole? We don't know. I guess he it's just like it's, it's one of those great right, white whales where I'm like, I need to see the footage they shot from uh, independent operator with Gary Cole as Mel Prophet. And why didn't? And why didn't it work out? out? Yeah. Yeah. It's like, so like, fascinating. There had to be something. Canal had to have some idea of what he wanted. And Gary Cole just it just wasn't, wasn't right for to give it. Yeah, yeah, I know. I'm so <laughs> curious. Well, he's very nice on NCIS now. Honestly, I mean, honestly, do you know what it might be? What Gary Cole's too tall. <laughs> it could be just that it's like because there's this there's fascinating. No yeah, there's no balance, right? Yeah. Where it's like I, because the whole thing that goes on and on with. Um, like he's such Mel Prophet is such a slight man and he wields so much power that there's this but then he can break down so completely and you know you got William Russ and you got Ken Wall who are these big tall guys and if Mel Prophet was just another big tall guy well you wouldn't have this dichotomy happening with the character like it could be he was just too physically imposing because Harry Cole's a tall dude and physically imposing. He really is. <coughs> anyway, I have no evidence. That is one thing I suspect, though. I suspect that it was like they loved his... Because perf- if you think about it this way, when you're getting a part like this, it's not like you read with the other actors. No. Because they're busy making the show. Like, Gary Cole would have been cast based on a series of auditions for the casting director and then the canal and then the network. And yeah. then when they get all get out there on the set and start shooting... You could realize it, he just doesn't look right on film. Yeah, he doesn't look right. Yeah, and they yeah, didn't realize I, it until they all got out there. That yeah. is a possibility because we know Gary Cole's a great performer. I mean, like the year after he lost that job, he was on Midnight Caller, which is this incredible performance week after week. That Midnight Caller, yeah. yeah. In fact, I was talking about somebody, Gary Cole, and 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 actually somebody else we i can't even remember who it was yeah midnight caller was the first thing she said yeah yeah oh yeah such a good show so such hard a good to show. find oh impossible to find <laughs> then again i've now like all of bakersfield pd's on youtube so maybe midnight caller is not that far behind you well, just have there to find has their VHSs. Been, there have been one or two episodes but they were really bad you know yeah. so they had to have been I mean, the only way to get even a, a, a good transfer is if somebody has recorded it on, like, like you could you could do two hours on a tape or you could yeah. do six hours. Six or hours or eight, eight hours. Eight hours, yeah. right? So if you did it on eight hours. 
Yeah, then the it's completely low incredible. quality. Yeah. yeah, but if you did it on SP and it was two episodes per tape, there are people out there who did that and have them. Yeah. I mean, so, that's how the, there's an caller, archive. <laughs> yeah, Midnight Caller. If it's somewhere, get it. All right. We don't have it. We don't have it. We'd love to see it. All right, so we're going to call it there. I want to thank everybody for listening and say... If you have any questions, if you have any comments, if there's any profiling-related fiction you'd like us to check out, please drop us a line at profilingcriminalminds at gmail.com. We would love to hear from you. If you're listening to this on some sort of an app or podcatcher, please rate and review the show. That is how people find it. New people, anyway. You already know where it is. Uh, we'll see you back here on Tuesday for the next episode of Vincenzo. And, of course, we will be, which I hope you're enjoying as much as we are. Uh, and, of course, we'll be back here next Wednesday for the next episode of Style Section as we continue barreling through <sighs> Season 3 of Wise Guy. Yeah. The last gasps of the show that was Wise Guy. Yeah. All right. Uh, we'll see you back here then. But until then, au revoir. And have a good week.